0: This is Shine On, the health and happiness show with Casey, an Ella's Leash production. Shine On is a weekly presentation with guests, ideas, information, and fun designed to improve your life from 100.7 WHUD.
1: Hello, shiny people. It's Casey. Today, we are going to talk about how rudeness can affect you.
2: If your surgeon who's about to operate on you has just experienced a moment of rudeness, the studies have shown that that surgeon will become 50% less good at being a surgeon.
1: That's Danny Wallace. His new book has a very sassy title. We'll get to that coming up. Rudeness and what we can do about it on the way. First... I got a great note from a listener. We're going to call her Heidi. She liked the Annie Grace piece on the book This Naked Mind. I think that was last week. She said by the end of the show, she bought the book on Kindle because I was not ready to part with my copy of the book yet. I have been naked-minded and wine-free since January 12th. Heidi was intrigued by the research about the second drink and how our bodies need that from all the chemical reactions lifting us up and then dropping us down in the first drink. So Heidi suggested that I point out that Annie Grace has a 30-day alcohol-free experiment. Just go to alcoholexperiment.com. That's alcoholexperiment.com. Heidi's been on board for over a week, and she says she looks at social drinking very differently now. I'm closing in on a month. I can't believe it. Life is better. And if you're interested, Annie Grace will give you tons of support at thealcoholexperiment.com. Thank you, Heidi, for the feedback. means the world to me. Now, I don't know for me if this is a forever thing. I can't see me having a sausage and pepper wedge at the Italian feast in Verplank this summer without my annual Budweiser. But we shall see. It definitely feels better not to need Two glasses of red wine at the end of every day. Anyway, Valentine's Day is coming. Wanna manifest a sweetie? Enter Ilona Selke, who wrote, Dream Big, The Universe Is Listening, and she's going to help us conjure up a little love. That is such a
0: great topic. Yes, let's celebrate. Well, love is a minifold thing, but we're talking about romantic love, and, you know, Valentine's is about the beloved one. This Valentine's, I just have to tell you, my very good psychic, Suzanne Wagner, she's been counseling Hollywood people for 20 years as well. She she said, don't make this Valentine's, particularly this Valentine's Day, about proposing. She said, take a look at it, become clear on what you want, and that's the first step that you need to do before you get your soulmate or a beloved. You know, you have to really be clear what is it you want. And you know, besides making a list as to all the attributes you want or be clean being clear on what is valuable to you. I didn't realise but when I thought about it, generosity in my partner was a very valuable asset. Because I'm generous and if I had a stingy partner I would be misery. So if you are clear on the values you hold and I'm even including here the spiritual values you can see eye to eye that way you can last until you get really old and you still see eye to eye and not just body to body but <laughs> once we get clear on it what i write in my book about dream big the universe is listening is that we have to actually start feeling the feeling we would get when that fulfillment
1: happens elona this is what i tell people all the time As a Reiki master, I tell people I am here to reconnect you with what you want to feel, and you can feel that love and that joy and that bliss right now and in fact I believe you need to practice that feeling so then when you're near it it will resonate with you exactly well what
0: what exactly what happens is when we take the luxury vacation in our emotional body and give ourselves that moment of arriving at that future in advance We are no longer that donkey with that carrot in front of our nose going, Well, when I get there, I'll eat that carrot, or when that love arrives, I'll have it. It's like taking the carrot into your mouth, so to speak. (laughs) Feeling that (laughs) carrot in your mouth, eating it. You know, it's like whatever your favorite dish is or whatever, you know, that ice cream. (laughs) But, you know, it's feeling the fulfillment. That's the important part because a lot of times we try to figure out the way. We think we get to the goal by. You know, we want the vacation. We, we think we maybe need to save up the money. Yes, that's a good thing. But we don't always know the steps and we don't know the how, when and why. And to leave that up to the universe is a great relief because it takes us out of that egoic, I want it my way thing. But you can prepare the soil, so to speak, by pre-creating an internal state of
1: satisfaction pre-creating an internal state of satisfaction and that way you are not dependent on the outer
0: circumstance to bring that satisfaction to you but you already have it and as we all know the universe gives those who already have a lot even more so we just (laughs) have to be the ones who have a lot, which means internally already be there.
1: I really love that statement. I never heard it before. The universe has given those who have a lot even more. We're talking to Ilona Selke. We're talking about manifesting love, especially around Valentine's Day. I tell people all the time, male, female, whatever, as you're washing the dishes or doing the laundry or getting the snow off the car, just imagine that your love is waiting for you in the next room. Just feel what that feels like, again, without putting a face on it, because you grow into to knowing that feeling is yours to own. But when you say the universe, what do you mean? There's a force in the universe that wants me to have a happy relationship?
0: Well, and that is the fun part. We are the co-scriptors of that life, of that life movie that we're living in. You know, at once burdensome, but at once beautiful. Burdensome when you think that it was so easy to blame everybody else for the mishaps. Beautiful when you realize that you have the steering wheel in your own hands. So when you realize that really there is a dialogue, and we have plenty of stories in all of literature, even the Bible is full of it, you talk to that whichever that is greater than ourselves, and it responds, knock on the door and you shall be answered. So we do have to, and the way to talk to the universe is not necessarily through words, it's really through imagery and feeling. Those are the three, four components. If you want to really manifest a goal, let's just say I have the desire to have a soulmate in my life. You first set out by maybe describing it. You know, you would like to live like this and that, feel like this and that, have this and this component fulfilled in the relationship. Then you make a little movie out of it. Imagine how a scene could feel might be you sitting by the fireplace, you know, having a sip of tea together, talking, or it might just be that cozy, warm sensation of being in in a sunset, you know, when you look out at the beach and the sun is setting. Just a symbolic image, feeling of that fulfillment that represents your feeling. So you make a little film, then you get a little picture for the the feeling you have, which you had while you watched that inner movie, and then you go like, universe, guess what? This is my cake, and this is what I want, and you give it over to the greater force, and then we let go.
1: Okay, and before we let go, I, I have yes. to go back to the beginning of the list. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are making this list at home of what you want in your beloved, please put at the top of the list, Available Now. Yes? Oh, yes. <laughs> Available
0: Now. Or available at the right time because, you know, with everything at the
1: right time in the
0: right place. Yes.
1: Yes. But it's important to state that the person you love should be free of other loves. Available to you. Yes. Exactly. Available to you. You know, I have
0: to... I tell you, I just had a story I had to crack up on. This 60 60 year old friend of mine, woman friend, gorgeous, you know, almost previous Hollywood star, but then decided to um, do something totally different. I'm not going to describe any details so nobody knows who it is, but she made a list. Her girlfriend, also another super well known. Author in the world, millions of books sold, told her, Please make a list of all the things you want in your relationship that you want to manifest now. Isn't it time? And she said, Okay. And she made 10 impossible requests, like, Mr. Universe, you know, like mm-hmm. every muscle has to be toned, has to be like young and fit and this and that, serve God and be absolutely dedicated to higher forces and be like me, That da, 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 da Well, a week later, I think it was three days later, the guy shows up in front of her eyes, sits in front of her feet and says, I want to serve you. You're doing the work. I want to serve God with you. And besides, then he looked like that hunk and he was Mr. Universe, somebody like that.
1: Are they together Anyhow, still?
0: They, yes, they had a fabulous time of a number of months, but then her life took over and the sense of... Each difference really did matter. So, you may want to, you know, when you say it has to be fit, you have to, like, you know, consider some. You will get what you ask for, no yes, doubt. You will but there get will be consequences
1: you to that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right, so, right. You know, well, in the end, we do have to trust that we will get. And she said, and she said literally, this was the best experience in her entire life so far. And the story isn't over yet. There are a couple complications in there. But, you know, uh, the the story hasn't finished yet. I am thinking sometimes a part of us may have unconscious, and this is a big part, and this is what I wanted to lead into, we have subconscious ideas, wants, patterns. One of them might be, if I get uh, tied down or make them not, I might lose my freedom. And although I really want my mate in my home and all over me, I don't want to lose my freedom. And then I have two parts of me tugging in the opposite direction. This, I'm just saying, if I am not fully aware of my freedom drive, I need to realize that parts of my subconscious may pull in one direction while my conscious choices pull in another. So it really is good for us to dive deep into our hearts and be honest. Be really yeah. honest. Know if you your have, fears. If know you have,
1: your fears.
0: Exactly.
1: I did a woman's event a couple of weeks ago, and before we started, you know, where we sit in a circle, mm-hmm. and the leader of the group on this particular day said, I want everyone to state their fears. Their fears first. And I mm-hmm. thought, isn't that an odd place to start? But as we went around the circle mm-hmm. and everyone stated their fears, one of the women said that she feared that if her dreams come true, she would outgrow her husband. And there were other exactly. other women yes. in the circle said, oh, my gosh, that's my fear, too. So this group yes. leader obviously knew what you, Alona Selke, are saying. You have to be aware yep. of what's going yes. on under the surface.
0: It is what I describe in my book, Dream Big, the Universe is Listening. It's dream big, have your ideas, but then also encounter and what do you do when you encounter your fears or your resistances you didn't maybe even know you had, right? right. Sometimes by setting a bigger goal and trying to achieve it and aiming at it, we start becoming aware of what has held us back. And then I have techniques in the book of how you start dialoguing with that part and actually make it the stepping stone into the next dimension. of yourself. I took that work from Dr. Vern Wolf uh, from Holodynamics, fabulous work. Um, You really, I mean, I've given thousands of people across the planet the tools to deal with their fears and subconscious resistances. Same holds true for making money. So many times in my seminars, I have found out that the biggest fear people had in making money was to supersede the family's habit of how much they all made, you know, and to superseding them and to superseding all their friends. Mm. And then what do you do when you stick out, like, you know, like a sore thumb, out of your family? And how do they treat you? And will they keep you being friends? And will your friends be your friends when they no longer sit in the same restaurant where you normally dine now? You right, know?
1: right, right. I call those those hidden contracts we make. Some part of ourselves makes a hidden contract like, okay, mom or dad or sister or brother, I won't make more than you. Or I won't be happier than you. Or I won't shine brighter than you. Yep. I honestly, because we're so mimicking as a
0: human being, we mimic our social environment. So we mimic those that are closest to us. And that's why they say it's so important to watch out who your five closest friends are because you will uh, rub off on each other. So keep an eye on who you keep close to, we are so intent on being loved and liked and similar to others in our field that we need to take that need seriously and then also talk with it and not suppress it, you know, not be afraid of the fact that we want to be like others in our field, like our family, subconsciously, but to talk with that and dialogue it. And I write a story about it in my book, um, and walk people step-by-step step through it. It's, the book is chock-full of success stories, but also with the techniques of how to get there and how to start from the small and get into the larger and to get to that bigger dream.
1: Ilona Selke, Dream Big, the universe is listening. And you know what? I'm going to confess to you today. I wrote 2 ebooks a couple of summers ago. One is Open Your Heart and the other is Open the Gate. Open Your Heart is about manifesting love, and it has one, I believe, crucial component to finding love. Make your list and then turn that paper over and write how you have to change to have this person in your life. What's your part? What are you going to give to your beloved? I'll tell you in the book where that idea came from. And the other book, Open the Gate, is about those commitments I've seen people in my Reiki practice make, where they lock themselves into a limiting role to make somebody else comfortable. And they don't even know they do it. So I had these books up for sale on Kindle, but then I felt embarrassed about that. I don't want to make you pay for them. So if you're interested, I posted them up on my website and you can read them there. How's that? Casey.co. All right. Now let's see what we can do about the rude people in the world. The title of Danny Wallace's book is F You Very Much. Now don't freak out. He's a very nice guy had a disconcerting hot dog incident. Here's the story of how this book came to be.
2: Well, for the past few years, and maybe it's just because, you know, I'm getting a bit older now, um, I uh, I, I sort of felt like the world was becoming just ruder and and sort of narrower and a bit coarser. And it was really uh, one day in particular where I was trying to buy a hot dog, and that's all I wanted, just, just a very simple hot dog. And there was a place that sold hot dogs. And so me and my son, in we went. And I don't know if you've ever walked in somewhere, and it just seems like you've already angered the person who works there. They just seem like to be gripping the desk with sort of white knuckles and and something's going to happen. And so I ordered my hot dogs and they took forever. It just took forever. And hot dogs should take a matter of moments, really. But 15 minutes passed and then I went to ask where my hot dog was and she was furious. Then 30 minutes passed cut a long story very short, I waited one hour and one minute for my hot dog, a hot dog that was never forthcoming. And when I complained in no uncertain terms, I was ejected from the diner. The first time I'd been thrown out of a restaurant, basically, just for asking where my hot dog was. And I was standing outside with no hot dog, confused in the drizzle of a British, you know, bank holiday. I'm standing there thinking, What went wrong? How did that happen? And in front of my son, how did how did me and another grown up kind of lose control and not not be able to do a very simple thing, just buying and selling a hot dog? And the rudeness I experienced kind of stuck with me in the way that lots of rude stories stick with lots of people for years and i wanted to know what had happened what could have gone better what we could have done differently and the more research i did into rudeness and the more academics i kind of found hiding in the shadows the more i realized that that really this is a big problem with some quite dark side effects
1: I have to look at it this way. The universe wanted you to have that hot dog incident so the rest of us could get this book, F you very much, understanding the culture of rudeness and what we can do about it. And you call it a culture. Why?
2: Well, because I feel more and more we're at some kind of turning point. Uh, maybe it happens, you know, generationally, but certainly I think enough things have happened recently uh, that have led to this culture of rudeness. This idea that we all have to have an opinion on everything all the time. And it's not enough to have the opinion. We then have to broadcast the opinion to to other people and to strangers through social media or however else we might do it. And that these opinions have to be short and punchy and pithy and... Uh, from a real sort of place of kind of aggression and anger. Um, We turn on our TVs and every show has got a nasty judge putting people down, or every reality show is edited for only the high drama of conflict and and rudeness. And so we're teaching our kids that in order to get on, you have to have an unpleasant opinion delivered unpleasantly, or to become famous, you have to be unpleasant to other people. Um, And it's just not the case, and it's not the way it should be. And it goes all the way now from the bus stop, right the way up to the Oval Office where everyone is being told that uh, this is the correct way to treat other people and to deliver our opinions and that political correctness is a bad thing. Um, It's some kind of dirty phrase, whereas in fact, political correctness It's simply a system designed to make sure that no one really gets bullied, that we're not punching down, that we're including everybody. It's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. And yet we are being taught it's a bad thing. And this just seems to be going throughout society and creating a, a, a coarser culture, which could last for generations because we're teaching kids. This is the way to behave. And then they're going to teach their kids. So it's kind of a rudeness time bomb.
1: It truly is. And and you know, the the ones who are really su- suffering are the sensitive kids who don't know what to do in this world. But that's another story. Page 83. Well, no, of, absolutely. Yeah, right. Page 83 of F you very much. A rude man will earn 18 percent more than a nice woman.
2: Yes, they will, yeah. We, we sort of allow men to get away with a lot more, particularly in the workplace. Um, we sort of respect rudeness when it comes from men. We don't like it, um, and yet these men will, you know, we will pay them more because they've had the guts to ask for it in a, in, a, in a lot of occasions. And in the workplace, we see them being rude, and we sort of assume that they must be very good at their job to be able to be that rude. They've, they've earned the right to be that rude, but we describe it as... Um, they're aggressive or they're go-getters or they're determined. But when a woman tries the same thing in the same job, in the same place, that term aggression is a very negative thing. Mm -hmm. Um, They're they're sort of seen as being abrasive because of the way men and women are brought up slightly differently. Not on purpose, but just because of how society has always seemed to operate. Um, Like you, when you were a little girl, if if you'd said something a little rude, uh, they'd have said, uh, that's unladylike. You don't say that. You know, you say, please, and thank you. Whereas if I'd done it, they'd have sort of laughed and gone, boys will be boys. And now, in the in the, in the the workplace, when everyone's a grown-up, it's kind of the same story. You're not allowed to be rude because people find it uncomfortable. They don't want to work with you. They find you difficult. Whereas if I do it, they're like, well, look, he's focused. He's driven. So rudeness um, is, is sort of another thing that, that, that divides the sexes unfairly. And at least we now know about it.
1: We're talking to Danny Wallace, author of Yes Man, and now F you very much understanding the culture of rudeness and what we can do about it. How does rudeness affect one's health? Uh,
2: in myriad ways. Mental well-being is, uh, is one thing. Um, if you are feeling constantly uh, got at or bullied at work, you'll feel stressed, and that, that's the, that can lead to a whole raft of uh, complications and, and sort of physical ailments. But also, it can really affect your health in an unexpected way if your surgeon who's about to operate on you has just experienced a moment of rudeness the studies have shown that that surgeon will become 50 percent less good at being a surgeon so you're about to go under the knife he or she has just had someone be rude to them, they are much more likely to miss cues, to not communicate with their colleagues very well, to give you the wrong drugs, to not be able to resuscitate as well. And these are real effects that have happened in real studies around the world. And it goes further, you know, a doctor who has experienced rudeness early in the morning, it won't just affect how they are with the next patient, but it can affect the next five patients. And it's very difficult to see by looking at a doctor or a surgeon if someone's been rude to them. And yet the effects are just as bad um, as, you know, as if they've had a drink or two at lunchtime. Hmm. Except you can normally smell alcohol on someone's breath or, you know, they're slurring or they've got glassy eyes. You can't tell when someone's just been rude to a doctor. So there are real world impacts that can really end up with, uh, well, with death.
1: Danny Wallace, what can we do about it?
2: Well, we can call it out when we see it, but we can do it politely and non-aggressively. They've shown that rudeness spreads around an office, say, uh, in the same way as the common cold does. And just witnessing rudeness uh, can make us ruder. So the only way to end the strain when we see the rudeness is for us to do something about it. We're a funny thing, you know, humans, because we look at other people constantly for affirmation about how we are doing. We look for these little cues when when we're talking with someone. Are they smiling? Do they like me? Am I doing a good job? Am I coming across well? And rude people often forget that. They don't look for those cues. So if we see someone being rude to a stranger, provided it's safe to do so, we've got every right to kind of call it out nicely, you know, just point it out and show there's another way to be. And very often that rude person, because they suddenly see themselves through someone else's eyes, will feel ashamed of the way they're behaving, because generally it's not the way we're brought up and nor should it be.
1: I found the least rude people ever in London do you find
2: that too? Oh good. Well, um, every big city has got lots of rude people in it. And, and usually it's not the fault of, of, uh, of where the city is, but just the fact that it's a city. So in the old days, when we were in small communities, if you were rude to someone in the post office, you might see them half an hour at the school gates, you know, a little bit later on. And so you wouldn't be rude because it would have ramifications. In a city, people can be rude all the time because, you know, they're never going to see you again. But I'm pleased you had that experience at London. I've had many beautiful experiences in London with, you know, complete strangers being lovely to me. But I've also had some horrible ones as well, including uh, the fateful hot dog day.
1: <laughs> fateful hot dog day. All right, Danny Wallace, the book is F you very much. Thank you very much for writing it. And please write more. You're doing the world a great service. Have a wonderful day.
2: Thank you. I'll do my best.
1: Danny Wallace, if you would like a copy of his book, email me from Co, where I am posting my two ebooks for free. I hope you like them. Today's thought for the day is from Rumi. Your acts of kindness are iridescent wings of divine love, which linger and continue to uplift others long after your sharing. I got to say that one again. Your acts of kindness are iridescent wings of divine love, which linger and continue to uplift others long after your sharing. Oh, good stuff. See you next week.
0: You've been listening to shine on the health and happiness show with Casey and Ella's leash production. The content of shine on the health and happiness show is intended for general information purposes. Only you can listen to previously broadcast shows online at Casey.co that's K a C E Y dot C O join Casey for another edition of shine on the health and happiness show next Sunday morning, right here on 100.7 W H U D.